So hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I'm your host, John Robb. Unfortunately, my co-host, Jeff Ferrison, is unable to make it today, but we're going to roll without him anyway. We're going to have a very good interview coming up for you uh, shortly. We're going to be speaking here with best-selling author Victoria Thompson. She's going to be talking about her latest book called City of Schemes, which is book four in the Counterfeit Lady series. And, of course, we're going to gaslight mysteries and other things. But I want to remind everybody that all of our books are brought to you, all of our shows, are brought to you by um, Kensington Books, so visit kensingtonbooks.com. Also, Suspense Magazine, so make sure you visit suspensemagazine.com for everything we got going on, of course. And don't forget, check out our anthology that is out now called Nothing Good Happens After Midnight with Jeffrey Deaver and Reese Bowen and Linwood Barkley, uh, Heather Graham, John Lesquois, many others. So Nothing Good Happens After Midnight, that anthology is out now. But let's get into our guest again. Like I said, she is author Victoria Thompson. Uh, this is her fourth book now in the Counterfeit Ladies series. It is called City of Schemes. So we want to welcome Victoria to the show for the first time. So hello, Victoria, and how are you doing? I'm great. Thank you very much for having me. So we're very excited to have you on because um, I love the era that you write about, and I love the stories you write about. Uh, I got into the Counterfeit Ladies series back when they sent us over City of Scoundrels, and I'm like, oh, what is this going on? Um, (laughs) And now that we're in the book four here in City of Schemes, Tell everybody a little bit about what you got going on with this book now. Well, um, the the heroine of this series, who is a, she's a counterfeit lady because she's actually a con artist, and um, she um, was converted to uh, the women's suffrage movement um, because she was thrown in jail with uh, with a bunch of suffragettes who were arrested for demonstrating outside the White House and. And she has decided now to, to go straight and to use her skills as a con artist to help people. And um, so every, every one of the four books so far has revolved around a certain uh, kind of con that she runs to help someone who's, who would to help someone get justice who wouldn't normally get justice in the ordinary scheme of things. The law would not provide it for them. So she manages to somehow get their money back or... Um, get justice for them in some other way by running a con. And so City of Schemes, um, I've been wanting to use the uh, Spanish prisoner con. It's one of my favorite cons. Oh. <laughs> and uh, it's one of the oldest cons there, there, uh, that they know of. And uh, it just seemed like a lot of fun. So I uh, started out with that con. And, and as the book progressed, I don't necessarily plot out the book. I sort of make it up as I go along. And and I, and I ended up with, I was about halfway through the book, and I realized I had three different versions of the Spanish prisoner con going at the same time. And, um, and I also realized I could wrap them all up in a paragraph, each one, and then my book would only be half as long as it needed to be. So I was like, this is not a good thing. No, we so don't want I, a novella. <laughs> no, so... So I, had, I sat down with a piece of paper and a pencil, and I actually drew a chart of all three of the cons and who was involved with each one and how they were connected. And then it was like, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. I was like, and, I, and so they all complemented and complicated each other. And so that, that's the second half of the book is how they all come together and, and work together. So, um, yeah, so there, it was a fun book to write. I had so much fun, and I can't wait for readers to read it so they can enjoy <laughs> what I did. So you have to be a great admirer of the movie The Sting then, of course, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and uh, actually, there's a book that, uh, written by a con man 
who um, that the movie was based on that that book. So and a lot of the things that I thought were so clever in that movie were actually common things that con men did all the time. Like in the end where they fake their own deaths, that was actually a very common thing that they would do. They would pretend to get killed. And then the mark, especially if the mark had was onto them and wanted to get revenge, and they if, if the mark thought they were dead, then they weren't going to come after them or anything. So that worked out really well. It was some con men always did that at the end. They get themselves fake killed, and so they never had to worry about a mark coming back again. Now, and one of the things that I, I love about your books, like I said before, is, is the setting. Because you set these right around World War I. Uh, this book is set right, right after World War I in City of Schemes. But it's that time and place where character is the thing that really has to shine through because technology just isn't there. So when you're set, and you know, and your Gaslight Mystery is also set back in that time. So when you were thinking about, you know, writing another series and starting with the counterfeit lady novels going back, why did you want to set it kind of in the same time as the gaslight? And is it, what is it about that era that just excites you to keep writing about it? Well, um, the counterfeit lady books is actually a little bit later. It starts, they start in 1917, and the, uh, the gaslight books started in 1894. They're up to 1900 right. now, but... Yeah, but so there's but I mean, a little kind of like bit of difference. Same, all, yeah. yeah, it's that yeah, same, same kind of twenty-year kind of thing. Yeah, right, right. Um, well, the reason I started it uh, in 1890, the gaslights in 1894, was because um, um, that was a really interesting time, and Teddy Roosevelt was the commissioner of police, and it just there were just some really interesting things going on. But as I kept writing this series, I realized that that particular time period the turn of the, around the turn of the century is so interesting because and, and readers find it interesting too for the same reason is because the things that people were concerned about then are the same things people are concerned about today the technology is different but all the issues that we're worried about are still the same issues um, immigration I mean immigrants have always been a, a, a an issue and people have, every wave of new immigrants has suffered the same exact kind of prejudice that we are seeing today. Um, people, uh, finding Mr. Right was a huge issue back then. It was very dangerous. Women would go to um, dance houses to meet men, and you never knew who, if he was Mr. Right or if he was Mr. Very, very wrong, and you'd end up dead. And that's, that's still a problem today. Um, uh, women were fighting for their rights, their legal rights, the right to vote, and and um, all other things that came along with that. And even though they've had the right to vote for 100 years now, um, we're still struggling with equality in sure. the country today. So all these kinds of social issues that we're, that we're dealing with today uh, were big issues back then. And, and it's kind of fun to deal with them historically because you know what happened back then. And so you can write a, a, a happy ending or a satisfactory <laughs> ending or something, an accomplishment at that time. Now we're still waiting for the next accomplishment today. I, mean, I, 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 I never really thought of it, I guess, that way and, and that's saying me because I'm a guy. Um, but, I mean, I guess I never really... 
I, I didn't think of it that way. Um, I, I, I guess I was just thinking more. I, I didn't think it was that um, that personal. So that was very enlightening. I, I thought that was uh, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, a book is personal to the person who reads it. Every book is a unique experience to the reader because I think readers bring their own experience to it. Uh-huh. And so readers all see something different in the same book. Different things will touch different readers in different ways because of who they are and what their life experience has been. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing is that I love that you kind of make the settings, like, you know, in your books, Upper Manhattan, and you kind of do Lower Manhattan, and you have these great settings that, that you write about. How is it that you're able to kind of try to make the setting its own character? Do you consciously do that? Uh, yeah. It, um, New York City is one reason. Well, the, the city itself is a character, um, and, and every neighborhood had its own um, ambiance and mood and uh, and story and history and um, and and so it's really easy to, uh, to I mean it's it's almost impossible not to make it a character unto itself. The if you've ever been in New York City, I mean all big cities have their own personality, but New York I think is just because it's so old and yeah. um, was like one of the first places in, in the New World that were set, was really settled. And um, it, it just sort of grew. I mean, it started as a farmland. I mean, the word Harlem is Dutch for farm. I mean, they called it Harlem because <laughs> there were farms there. It's, yeah. just, it's hard to believe. And Wall Street was built, um, it's named Wall Street because they built a wall there. And the reason they built a wall was because the cows kept wandering downtown and getting in the way of traffic. So they had to build a wall to keep the cows out. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, all these really funny things that, that make New York what it is, even though you don't know why it's called Wall Street. Yeah. It's all that history is there. And, and that's what's fun about doing the research and finding out all these really cool things and dropping them into the story. Mm-hmm. Um, because readers, fiction readers love to learn new things. Um, it's, it, you, you get to enter that secret world and find out things that you never knew and that other people don't know either. So, right. Uh, yeah, I've been going to New York since I was about 11. Um, I have family in Jersey, <laughs> so very familiar with the city, and, and it is very, very fascinating. Uh, the, and now I live in Los Angeles, and you might be shocked to know that in Compton there are cowboy ranches. You wouldn't think oh that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I know you would so, not think that. Yeah, there's a whole cowboy ranch kind of community in Compton in L.A. Um, that you wouldn't even know about that's there. Yeah. So it's, wow. it, there, there's still the old and the new still collides a little bit, especially in these big cities. And New York, of course, is probably – the most one of the most famous in the world where the old and the new collide um you know right. people call it the london of you know of the west because london is such a, a big city um you know in the east over in europe so to have new york and to take you back into like 1894 it's kind of like uh you're building us a time machine <laughs> yes it is it is and it's yeah. really i mean i just enjoy that that time period so much and, I mean, I have tried, uh, interestingly enough, I've tried writing contemporary books set in, the, in modern day, and I just 
can't seem to get it right. Um, apparently, I'm just too old-fashioned. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, let's talk about Elizabeth here. Um, yes. She's a very, very complex character. So when you decided that she was going to be the one to be the star and be, you know, the counterfeit lady, uh, what was the one thing when you were creating her, I guess you want to say molding her out of clay, that you wanted to make sure that, that she was? Um, that's a very good question. Um, I, I think I wanted to, um, I, I wanted to make her honest and true to her own set of values, which are very different from most people. <laughs> <laughs> Con artists generally yes, are. And, yes, and, um, I mean, she was raised to, to lie very easily and, um, and to think people are suckers and, and um, con artists, have, con men have this saying, you can't cheat an honest man. And, and they firmly believe there are no honest men at all. And Elizabeth, of course, meets a very, very painfully honest man and, who really is honest. He doesn't even like to tell white lies. And, um, so, and that's who she falls in love with. So, she, so talk about opposites attracting here. Um, yeah. And and she she lets him help her with cons, but she always has to be careful because he can't. He's a terrible liar, so he can't really help a lot of things. He can't do a lot of things because he can't tell a lie. Uh-huh. But um, um, it was interesting the way Elizabeth was born. Um, I, I wanted I I was researching. I wanted to write a second series, and I had talked to my editor. And she advised me to do the early 20th century. She said that was a really interesting time. So I had been reading a lot of history books. And I read, um, I read the uh, biography of Consuela Vanderbilt, who was the daughter of the Vanderbilt family. And her mother married her to an English duke that she would known about five minutes and then sent this poor 18-year-old girl off to England to mar- marry to this guy that she hardly knew. And um, but she became but Consuela became a suffragist uh, suffragist in England and her mother became one in America, and so I I accidentally learned about the suffrage woman suffrage movement, and I thought and I when I read all these stories about things that the women endured and what they suffered to in order to win the vote, um, I thought this is a really interesting story and most people do not know it and it really needs to be told. But how do you tell a story like that without sounding like a textbook? Um, nobody wants to, to read a fiction book that reads like a history lesson. Right. So I was trying to think of how to make it interesting, um, to tell the story through someone who would be really, really interesting. And I had actually researched con artists for a different book years, you know, several years earlier. So I knew a bit about con artists, and I, so I thought, wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> she got involved with the suffragists, and uh, and I had to re- do research to see if there were women con artists. There weren't very many, but there were a few, and so that's how Elizabeth was born. She had to be she she her job was to make the women's suffrage movement interesting, uh-huh. and she just sort of then took over the whole story then. <laughs> you know, when you mention the two opposites of tract, it makes you think of the brother riddle. Um, have, you, have you ever heard of this riddle where you're, you're walking down a road and you need to get to the city and you come to a fork in the road and two brothers are sitting there, one that always lies and one that always tells the truth, and right. you, don't know, 
Have you heard this riddle? I have. I can't remember the, the solution, but I know the right. riddle. So one you can them. only ask one question and decide which way to go, and you, have to, can only, you can only ask one question. You can ask either of them, but it can only be one question, not one question each, just either of right. them. Right. Yeah. And you know, and one, so, lies, one only lies and one only tells the truth, but you don't right. know which is which. <laughs> right. You, have, you yeah. have no idea which is which. So right. the answer is, I'll tell you, is it doesn't make a difference who you ask. You say, which way would my brother tell, you to, tell me to go? And you do the opposite of what they say. And that's <laughs> how you answer the riddle. Oh, right, right. Very clever. I knew it was very clever, but I just couldn't remember what it yeah. was. But that makes you think. So when you have, you know, when you have Elizabeth, right, right. And, and so it, it just kind of makes you think of that, um, you know, of, of, of that riddle. But now let's talk villains, um, because villains yes. are always a big part of the story, the bad guys. So yes. kind of the same question like with Elizabeth, when you're kind of doing and researching bad guys and, 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 and getting ready to put them in, what are the traits that you want to make sure that, that they have and they come across? What, when you're creating a villain, I, I also teach writing in a, in a master's program at Seton Hill University. And, uh, where? Uh, so uh, where was that? At Seton, Seton Hall? Seton, no, Seton Hill, which is in oh. Pittsburgh. It's, um, every, oh. Everybody gets confused with Seton Hall, but it's Seton Hill University. It's, it's in Greensburg, Pennsylvania. Gotcha. And uh, they have a, ma- have a master's program in writing popular fiction. <laughs> and I always tell my students, um, you're, when you're creating your villain character, your villain is the hero of his own, own story. story. Bad, bad people don't think they're bad. <laughs> Everybody else is wrong and they're right. right. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's, once, it's, you know, once you understand that one thing, then it's much easier to create your villain. He becomes then um, he's the hero of his own story. So it's easy to tell that story through his eyes. And um, of course, he looks. Everyone watching him is horrified. But um, but you can really tap into to that the heart of evil that way. Right. I mean, I, I say the same thing because you know we publish books and we get short stories and people ask you know what's what's a piece of advice and I, I always tell them I'm like look you know your villain remember. Whatever he believes, he's never going to be just batshit crazy, all right? That's not going to happen. Right, He has right. to believe whatever he believes, he believes. No right. matter what it is, that's what he believes. Even if everybody else thinks it's batshit crazy, he has to have something that he believes in, and that's what he's doing. Right. That's and why it's he's good to him. Right, exactly. You know, that's why when you look at, like, serial killers, like, you know, like a Jack the Ripper, and they go after prostitutes, they think that they're cleansing things. You know, they think right. it's a good thing. That's right. one of the most, you know, one of the big common ones that I guess you could say. But, yeah, and so the, um, when, you're, when you're creating the villain and you know that it has to tangle with Elizabeth, do you kind of show any strengths or weaknesses that either character is going to be able to exploit within the story? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting the, deep now, um, 20 minutes in. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> wow, time flies when you're having fun. Isn't um, it? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, a little, well, the con artist, the whole thing with the con artist, is um, make it is making the mark believe the story that you tell them. 
And so um, that's, I think, what Elizabeth is really good at, is tricking the villain by making him believe her story. Um, so she has to find the weakness first right. to be well, able and, to exploit the, it. Right, right. And, I mean, you know, people are pretty venal. It's, <laughs> it's love or money, usually. And everybody's got a soft spot, right? You just got to know right. which button. Exactly. You just got to know where to find it. Exactly, exactly. And she's, just right. sort of, and she's, of course, been trained from for many, many years on how to define those soft spots. And, so and that's so why... Yeah, so when you were thinking of the con in City of Schemes, you had to then been thinking of a villain because you already kind of knew how the con was going, a villain that was going to be able to fit into that role. Right, right. And then City of Schemes has actually a couple villains, right. uh, <laughs> several different villains, and uh, they each get their own comeuppance and their own what they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> they each get it in the end. Right, right. All three, all three cons is, are, uh-huh. are after are after one a villain. So there were really three villains in this. Some now, are worse like with, than others. <laughs> now, like with many authors um, that do this full time, you know, the lockdown really hasn't affected them at all because they're always kind of locked down doing the, you know, saying there and, and doing this. But have you done any more work during this? Have you thought of maybe a third series or? I guess when you talk about the Gaslight Mystery Series, what's going to be coming next for that one? So let's get it, you know, what, what can you tell us about that? Well, I do have um, Murder on Wall Street is coming in April, um, hopefully okay. April. <laughs> Publishing schedules have been very fluid lately. But, That's true. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it, so that one's done and it's, it's on its way. And uh, I'll soon be thinking of coming up with an idea. I'm writing the next Counterfeit Lady book right now. City of Shadows, oh. which which involves uh, seances, uh, which was very big at that time. Right after okay. World War One, a lot of people were interested in contacting their dead uh, young men who had died. Oh yeah, makes sense. And uh, and then Murder on Wall Street is um, actually takes place on Wall Street, but it's a lot more interesting than that. It just happens to be where the guy works, and he gets killed in his office. But um, it's all about all kinds of other social issues uh-huh. <laughs> in addition to that. And what was your question? I can't remember now. I well, I was wondering, you had you, have, you, have you thought about doing anything else? Have, have you done oh, any oh. more in the lockdown than any, any normal? More. Yeah. Well, you know, I have, I have found the lockdown, like many people, very stressful in that, um, I mean, even though I, my work hasn't changed, I, I always worked at home and, you know, didn't right. go out a lot, but... Um, not not being able to do a lot of things has really bothered me, and the 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 silent stress of the pandemic has has sort of weighed on me. And I I took the summer off and didn't work at all just to to be good to myself. And I found and I made a nice light schedule for writing this book so I could um, oh, good. take take weekends and and it's going to be finished early because. Uh, I've allowed myself enough time and, and didn't stress myself out. The thing that I really noticed, though, uh, is I, I used normally I, I really like reading dark noir mysteries, you know, that are very. Um, I, I like reading cozies for for a change up, but I usually like darker thrillers, um, and I found I can't read them at all um, during this lockdown. Um, I and I and I actually gorged myself this summer reading light romances 
because I just couldn't deal with it. You wanted, you wanted some happy. <laughs> I wanted some happy endings, yes. Yeah. So, uh, so that's that was how I've I've been dealing with with it, um, and hopefully it hasn't affected my writing. I haven't haven't turned in a book yet, so I'll, we'll see. <laughs> I've actually been reading more fantasy and history than anything else. <laughs> yeah, so, I can see that. I, you know. Yeah. It's something for escape. Reading is, is really good escape. And yeah, we call people, it, We like to call it our palate cleansers. Because yes. You've got to yes. cleanse the palate up. And luckily we have lots of choices out there. So whatever That's you need. That's true. There are definitely a lot of choices. But the best place for everyone for, to find out all your information is your website. I take it right, victoriathompson.com. That's, that's it. That's it. You'll find everything, all the books in order so you can uh, – Find out. People always want to know what books to read, which which where to start on the gaslights, and that's, there's a list there of, of all the books in order. And when this interview comes out, City of Schemes will be available, and uh, it's going to be in uh, audio right away too. Correct? Right. Right. Yes. Okay. So they were to get it wherever you guys buy books. You were to get that, and then on audio, that'll be good. So Victoria, uh, we want to thank you so much for coming on. It's been absolute pleasure to talk to you for the first time. So and hey. They don't know it, but, I mean, this was our fourth time is the charm for us. So, <laughs> fourth you know, time's the charm. Right? Fourth time's the charm for us, so we got that all worked out schedule-wise. So, hey, again, thank you so much for coming on and uh, giving us some time here and uh, wishing nothing but the best. Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed it. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>